By the way, I think we might be the only podcast that has like a real intro. I've been listening to a lot, and they just kind of they do like a a plug, but that's also because we don't have any sponsors. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right, let's rock. This is no politics at the dinner table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. Today we are going to discuss multiple conventions while I eat tacos in Amit's ears. I'll be sipping my gin tea. Hey. Yo. What's up, man? You hear that? What's going on? Can you hear that? A little jiggling? Jiggling? Yeah, can you hear that? Yeah, what is that? That's High West Double That's High West Double Rye Whiskey, son. Nice. Nice. What do you got? What are you sipping on? High Um, I'm having a gin and tonic. Nice. I think I got you hooked on yeah. that. Yeah, no. I mean, it's a I think it's a nice summertime drink. It's a great summertime drink. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like it's kind of like almost like having a seltzer, you know. Yeah, except, exactly. except it's got gin. <laughs> except it gets you wrecked. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, you don't mind that I'm going to be uh, eating fried chicken and brisket tacos while I talk to you. Oh, dude! Did you make them? Oh yeah, baby. Nice. Oh my god. Okay. What's Jeet eating? Gene is eating. Uh, I made him some portobello taco. They're nice, though. They're nice. For nice. a vegetarian, they look pretty nice. good. All right. Um, so. Wait, did you, eat, did you eat anything? I have not eaten dinner yet. What are you going to eat? I, I, fed, I, fed the, I fed the kids who had, like, uh, Indian food. Um, I'll probably have some Indian food later. And you ate a little bit of that food while you're prepping it. Don't lie. I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't prep it. My mom cooked it. Are you crazy? Um, yeah. That's awesome. it's, it's good, you know. Tandoori chicken, some That's okra. Nice. I feel yeah. like you should bring some of that back next week. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I don't actually. know why you're laughing. I know, I will. I will. I can do that. We'll do that. We'll do a little home. I can do that. There's nothing like your mom's cooking. Your mom My mom's. Yeah, oh, my mom's Indian food is just untouchable. But yeah. not even her Indian food. Like, your mom might make the best omelet I've ever had. Like, she puts, like, cilantro yeah. and, and spicy right. jalapenos, and it's, like, loaded with cheese, and it's, like, the greatest thing in the world. Right, right. No, no, she's she's a ridiculous cook. Is that how they do uh, omelets in India? You know, they. I forget what year it was when we went to India, and they like started doing them that way. Like it was just like one bright day. It's like we got <laughs> our eggs like that. It's like angel voices, like yes. Why have we done this all our lives? That's awesome. And so we've been doing it like that ever since. I love that. Well, look, dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sipping on delicious uh, rye, double rye High West whiskey. Have you ever had High West whiskey from Utah? It's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Okay, so what's a double rye? What does that mean? I don't fucking know what that means. It sounds nice. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Twice the rye as a single. <laughs> I don't know. Like they... two barrels of rye. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, but it's that, it sounds good. It's, it sounds good. It's very bitey. It's nice. 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 Um, you want to get into this shit? We have so much to talk Let's about. Let's do man. it. Let's do it. There's there's a ton to talk about. Um, so obviously, first and foremost, we need to talk about the DNC convention really going on this week. Um, and so the speakers so far, I mean, it's been pretty interesting. Cory Booker, Michelle Obama, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie, 
Bill Clinton, um, and then this group, Mothers of the Movement. I don't know if you saw that group. I did. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to ask you, who did you think was the best speaker so far and why? My girl, Flotus, son. No question. Oh, yeah? No, there's no comparison. There's no debate. Michelle Obama not only came out and crushed the game, I wanted to vote for her, but I also was like, I've never looked at her like romantically. And I was like, <laughs> you are so fucking sexy. Like, I, not only did I get leader, but I got sexy leader out of that speech. <laughs> she was amazing, man. I was off. Yeah, I was, I was literally, because, you know, I'm so, I'm so like, cynical and i'm so over all of it and i know that those speeches are so like thought out to try to manipulate us right. she, but man i don't even care if she didn't write that speech it was so good i was off my seat i was like you know when she said i i live in a house built by slaves and my children play for a lot i was like kind of tearing up a little bit and i was like oh my god this lady should be right. running for office this right. is did amazing you did you hear bill o'reilly's response to that that those uh, slaves were treated nicely. <laughs> that they were well fed. He's not and even housed by the government. He's on Fox yeah. News. He's not even worth our time. It's That's but you know what that that is a sort of considered position by a lot of the American electorate. Yeah. Um, that that and and that's kind of a new thing that before it was again this is like the sort of the what Trump has unleashed I think. Yeah. Um, and it's not just Trump. It was there before Trump. He's just kind of. That you know, it's open Pandora's box. Yeah, uh, is that yeah, slavery was probably tolerable and okay. That kind of view um, is now can be said in you know the public square, right? Whereas before, you know, you would be laughed or shouted out of the room for saying something like that. Of course, of course. And now, uh, and now, a major pundit is saying that. You know, like yeah. it's like it's absolutely. Unreal. That's because Unreal. that's because for the first time in a very long time, racists have a uh, legitimate platform, and they can, yeah they can actually be uh, have racist racist rhetoric, and we're so desensitized to uh, horrible verbiage that we're kind of like yeah, of course somebody said that. Why wouldn't someone say that? Yeah, Donald Trump it's... is the front runner. Yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, I like Michelle Obama. Uh, mm -hmm. you know what's so sad like Cory Booker came on and I, me personally I don't buy Cory Booker like Cory Booker I think he's a fantastic politician I see through it I just there's something about him I, I don't have anything besides my own gut feeling which I think is a yeah. lot there's something about him that I'm just I, I don't not like him but I'm not I don't see him as presidential and I know a lot of people were into that speech, but damn, wouldn't you be? Wouldn't you hate to be Cory Booker? And then the first lady comes out after your what people think was a good speech, and then she gives that speech. No one's no one right. cares anymore. It's his moment was just right. totally totally slapped away. It was brutal. I felt bad. Wouldn't that be so, wouldn't that be something if if it was you know Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and then Michelle Obama down the line? That would be. Wow, that would be a real, I like her. Um, I like Michelle rule of elites. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if she wants listen, anything to do with She it. was, she was great. I thought she was great, um, and I thought the content and the delivery was was fantastic. She was unbelievable. Um, I was tearing up when Bernie was on. on yeah, on me stage. too. Me too. Obviously, it, it was obviously I didn't want to like I didn't want to say. I mean, Bernie. 
That was like uh, it was like the farewell. It was like the breakup speech. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it was like we really love each other, but we can never talk again. I know. It was like it was terrible. It was terrible. I mean, it was awesome too because he had like three full minutes of not being able to talk. I know uh, because of the applause. Thank you. But, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, right. Thank you. I, I couldn't. Yeah, I know. Um, I want to play you one thing, um, one thing that came out uh, from one of those speeches. I'm sure you'll recognize it, but I just want to play it for you. Okay. Um, And so I'm just going to put this up on the phone. So here you go. I will vote for Hillary with gusto as I, as I continue to be inspired and moved to action by the ideal set forth by Bernie, who will never stop fighting for us. Proud to be a part of Bernie's movement, and a vital part of that movement is making absolutely sure that Hillary Clinton is our next president of the United States. Booyah, Baba Booey. Gee, that was that was pretty good, Sarah. Ridiculous. What'd you think about that? Um, I see both sides of this. You know, I, I think I totally get that, like, hey, guys, if Hillary doesn't win, Trump wins. And for all of her flaws, there's no question she's a better candidate than Trump. At this point, you know, Trump started off where, like, maybe there's a question, but he's kind of he's kind of uh, solidified the fact that he's a piece of shit. And Hillary, at least, is a politician, and she's been in the game for a long time. And I don't think I don't think she go she would go into the White House trying to be evil. Um, but on the flip side, I I think people can get really caught up in that. Oh yeah, Bernie lost. Now let's all get in line. But. There is a base of the movement that Bernie started that is a real revolution. And I don't know many successful revolutions that when the leader was kind of put away or, or maybe locked up or didn't win an election, that they just all fell in the line and, and became obedient. You know, that's the point of a revolution is it's not about the lesser two evils. It's about a real change and if there are major consequences that come, that's kind of okay by me. Uh, I'm not one of those people. I'm one of the fall in the line people, lesser two evils is better. But I sympathize with those people because those are people that are real frustrated and have not been heard and have not been Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So last week I gave you the hypothetical about if you were able to change the way New York State allocated its electoral votes by your single vote, right? The hypothetical that, you know, you voted for Jill Stein and by virtue of voting for Jill Stein, Donald Trump would get those electoral college votes. Yeah. You said you would still vote Jill Stein. 
Yes. And now you're saying that, no, I actually believe in voting for the lesser of two evils. So. Well, because, because you so conveniently left off the last statement I said last week, which was you and Bernie Sanders and everyone else has until November to convince me otherwise. You should re-listen to the end of that. It's exactly what I said. Because I don't want to do that, but I, I, I am part of that movement. But after I watched Bernie up on stage... I kind of felt like he convinced me. He did what I think he's supposed to do, and I was kind of leaning towards I really don't want to vote for Hillary, but I actually kind of believe Bernie, and I believe that he thinks you know, it really is the best move. And so I switched. And today, so you I'm, have switched. I'm announcing you it today. Switched. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. So you're falling in line, all right. I'm falling in line. Um, but yeah, that, that well, being okay. said, hold I on, mean, time out, time out. That being said, Hillary still has till November to convince me out of it now. I'm not, I'm, I'm nothing's locked until I cast a vote. But as of now, today, now I'm going to vote for right. Hillary. So, yeah, so, so you're, you're wishy-washy, basically. Yeah, um, I'm a flip-flopper. So, so, <laughs> you're a John Kerry voter. Um, <laughs> all right, so I want to talk a little bit about this. I, I actually spent this afternoon reading the uh, platform, um, the DNC platform. And a lot of it is just what you would expect. We're so great. We're so open. We're a Big Ten party. We welcome everybody. All those things, which are all positive things. Yeah. Um, but um, there's a few things that I wanted to highlight. Um, that and so here's one of the things is that that I've been seeing a lot is that of course the first night's booing by uh, the California Bernie delegation um, that was quite loud, right? Uh, that registered, you know, on all the mics. So, you know, the booing was very prominent. Uh, and people were saying, why are these guys booing? <laughs> Bernie essentially got to, you know, uh, drive the direction of the DNC platform. Um, and, and even, and indeed he did tout it as the most progressive platform that has ever been put out by the DNC. Right. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the charge is, is that for anybody to sort of complain at this point is that they basically are sort of political neophytes who do not understand that politics is about compromise, even within your own party. It's a big party. There's a lot of different views. And, you know, you got, you got, you got a lot of what you wanted, and now you should be happy and kind of, you know, get on board. Sure. Um, so here's a couple of things that I and, – and here's – I just want to sort of read a couple lines to you. And let's sort of, I want to get your indication. All right. So regarding worker pay, here's what it says. We should raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour over time and index it, give all Americans the ability to join a union regardless of where they work, and create new ways for workers to have power in the economy so every worker can earn at least $15 an hour. Okay. What do you make of that? I don't know, man. It sounds good. I don't really know enough about it. If you just want my really ignorant opinion, uh, I like the $15 an hour thing, but I'm fairly, uh, how do I put this? For the most part, the unions I've come in contact with, I'm kind of against them. <laughs> uh, so I kind of like one part of that. And the other part, I don't know that unions in every job, in every work place is necessarily a good thing. Hmm. What do you have? What, what do you not like about unions? They protect bad people too. You know they're not flawless, and the problem is, 
uh, a lot of people become complacent because of unions. I've never in the history of my career ever had the cushion of a union, and I've been fired before, and I've gotten another job, and I'm really good at what I do. So I don't know. Um, I, I can't have sympathy for an in, in any other industry when I'm in a pretty cutthroat industry, and I've somehow seen gr – Grant, I'm only 36, but I've, I've, been, I've done okay just like kind of doing my job, and it doesn't always work out, but – uh, I've seen in education teachers unions be kind of bullshit and protect really horrible people, which I think we've had this conversation before. Right. So I, 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 I suppose that any workforce has people that will use and abuse um, mechanisms that are available for use and abuse. Um, I would just say I'm very much for what they're saying, that unions, yeah. um, that I mean, union power has basically decreased to sort of mini school elements it used to be like unions used to be powerful in america now like you're lucky if you're in a union because you maybe have some job security okay. um and the whole the reason why people get paid so little is because they're not in unions and they can't negotiate in collectively right they're negotiating by by one right yep. um so i'm very much for that but what i actually want to focus on here is that $15 an hour over time. And it's that kind of sort of lawyered language. Yeah, which means it could be over, eight years. Over time, yeah. right? It could be, okay, w until $15 actually has the same purchasing power as the seven twenty five as it does now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there you go, right? So these are the type of things where I understand, okay, on the one hand, you've got the sort of some of the rhetoric Yep. the surface elements of Bernie's planks, um, but an actual sort of timeline, and we're going to sort of pa try to pass this law, and that kind of stuff is just sort of absent. Yeah. Like completely absent. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the TPP, and Bernie very much against it, and many of his delegates are particularly vocal about being against it. Yes. Um, the fact that it has not been sort of roundly denounced in the platform. And so in the platform, there's all this sort of nice language about, um, so I'll just read a couple of quotations here. We will oppose trade agreements that do not support good American jobs, raise wages, and improve our national security. Um, uh, it should promote innovation, access to uh, life-saving medicines, free and open internet, uh, and so on. A lot of food safety, this, that, and the other. <clears throat> and then it ends that entire section, which is on international trade agreements. And it says, these are the standards Democrats believe must be applied to all trade agreements, including the Trans-Pacific Partnership. What do you make of that? I don't know. It sounds off. What, what it sounds totally off. Yeah, it sounds like um, it sounds like it, they're gonna they're gonna have nice language to trick us all, and then they're gonna push it through. You know, my my fear with that is they're going to promise, 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 promise everybody to get all the votes, and then as soon as she gets in office, they're gonna go, uh, they're gonna move forward with it, and that's that's brutal. Right. I don't understand why that's not sort of a big deal. <laughs> right? It should I mean, be a big that, deal. My you know, it's I mean, it's it's literally. She has made this argument. Actually, actually, was, the fact that she was come out against it is actually going out on a political limb because President Obama, of course, is for it. I get it. 
So, you know, so she's going and she's being swayed, you know, arm twisting, but being swayed by the Bernie movement. And then it's kind of like, oh, an open secret that she's just going to reverse herself. Um, And why that doesn't matter. I just I I just can't wrap my head around that. Well, because it's Um, speculation. And people at this point, what are you going to do? There's two options. You either no, there's three options. You vote for Trump. You vote for Hillary or you vote for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson and potentially Trump wins anyway. So the leverage is really with her. And I have no doubt in my mind that her main objective is to become the first female president in history of the country and go down in history. And I don't think there's no way if she goes into office and, and reverses all this, she wins a second term. I mean, barring a miracle where the economy takes off more than ever and, and there's jobs and there's golden sidewalks. I, I don't know that you can do this and then win a second term. Mm, I don't know. Obama won a second term and he didn't achieve or even pretend to achieve you know, over yeah, but, 50% of what he called yeah, for. Fair, but Obama went in with an, a high approval rating. Uh, Hillary Clinton's squeaking into this thing. People already don't like her. Half of the people that are going to vote for her can't stand her. It's just that she's up against arguably, and maybe you would know better. There's probably like, you know, maybe Jefferson Davis or something, but she's up against, in modern times, arguably the worst candidate in the history of the presidential uh, race, and she's not winning she's tied so like you know obama at least had the fact that like he's obama and we fucking love that guy and i love that guy even though when i really think about a lot of his foreign policy and his drone warfare i'm like why do i like this guy he's like he's brutal but he's obama he's cool as shit like you like the guy she does not have that going for her just personability yeah for sure Likeability. Your average American voter does not really dig deep in terms of policy. It's it's kind of like w- they buy the empty, they buy the stupid promises and the fun, and the attack ads. You know, that's most people don't vote because they dig deep on policy. Otherwise, Donald Donald Trump has no policy. Like if you ask a Donald right. Trump supporter, why are you voting for Trump? They go, right, right. man, he says it like it is. That's why he says it like it is. And I'm like, damn, that I could be president because I fucking say it like it is. I don't have any policy. <laughs> I don't have a college degree, but I say it like it fucking is. Can I be president? I don't know. Right. Anyway. Right. right. We're in the belly of the beast right say now. Say it right? like it is, Amit. Amit. Right tell, tell, like <laughs> tell like it is, bro. Tell like it is. Tell like it is. Tell he says it like so, it is. <laughs> this is just an observation here. Um, the last four pages of the DNC platform are dedicated to American leadership broadly conceived, right? Just sort of America's sort of leadership role in the world. Um, and and it's ba- and what's interesting about it is basically about how we maintain our military domination of the globe. Um, yeah. And, and, and what's interesting about it, and it reminded me of something that I'd, that I'd read a few years ago, um, which is a policy report called Rebuilding America's Defenses, um, which was published in 2000. And this was by a group called the Project for a New American Century. Have you heard those guys? Never. Cool okay, name, so though. These guys, 
Yeah, Pride of the New American Century. These guys basically made an argument that in the post-Cold War context, since there was no longer a bipolar but now unipolar world, um, what you needed was America as world guardian, which could only be achieved by absolute asymmetrical military domination of the planet. Yeah. Um, and, and these are the guys who, in this policy, there's like a 90-page document, but they say a lot of other things, but these are the guys who also are the people who are the architects of the Iraq War. Right. Um, and, and so they make this argument, and it's basically become so mainstream that tones of it are in this last pages about leadership, American leadership in the DNC platform. Right. You know, like like the the idea that America should be this undisputed power, not based on really much of anything else besides its military force. Um, it's a neocon idea that is now, you know, a neoliberal idea, which I guess, you know, that's the thing is that these neocons and neoliberals, they're kind of like very similar. Um, they have certain sort of you know, like really in the weeds differences, but otherwise, I mean, I, I was just shocked. I was like, I can't believe they're even putting this in here. Yeah. But they're ending the entire report by basically saying, yes, we are going to plant our flags everywhere. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just like, and, and this is the American left. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. it was just like, Oh my gosh. I, I just, I don't know. I was, I just had to bring that up because I was, I just, I was shocked. I was, this was like, you know, it's deja vu. Um, You're only shocked that they printed it, but it's kind of been, it's kind of been the platform. At least keep it as a secret policy memo, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like Obama's been droning the fuck out of people left and right. Right. Uh, Clinton was bombing the shit out of people, even though we weren't like in a full fledged quote unquote war, but like, come on, man, that's, that's what we do. And I'm, I'm really torn with this, actually, if, if, if you want to get into it at all. Because, mm-hmm. because I live here, <laughs> I, it, it sounds kind of nice that, like, yeah, right. we're the world power and, like, we're, we're protected and we, we dominate policy and, and we, we police the world. But the older I get, the more I'm kind of like, I don't know. It kind of seems fucked up. And, you know, if you were living in any other country, and I have friends that live in every other country, not every, but I have friends that live in China, like serious, good friends. I have friends that, you have family that lives in India. Uh, you know, I have a brother-in-law that's family from Pakistan and whatever. The list goes on. It's just like, that's got to, that's got to, re- that's got to kind of grow this hatred towards America that you're constantly knowing that there's this superpower that, when push comes to shove, they just fuck you up. There was a poll um, done, a sort of global poll that asked this question: What is the most, the greatest threat to global security? And the number one response abroad was the United States of America. Um, and 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 here's the thing: I think some policymakers in America would be pleased with that outcome because Definitely. they think that's a healthy fear to basically discipline the globe. Yeah. Um, and and so they're like, yes, it's working, right? Um, and of course, on the other hand, is that it creates all of this blowback, right? I mean, that you know, as you said, that you know, how many people? I mean, think about it this way: when we went to Afghanistan, we had a list of seven names um, of people we wanted to get. Um, by the time they went to Iraq, they had a list of three thousand people that they were kill or capture. 
And now they have this drone program where if you're a military age male, 14 to 60, living in a certain region, you can get, you can get hit by a drone strike by virtue of that. That's so crazy. Right? So, you know, so like the, the metastasization of this war over the course of 15 years, um, it's terrifying. It has no end. And it, because every time you kill people, especially based on this, basically, you know, global racial profiling, um, you're going to kill civilians and guess what? People are going to hate you. Ugh. All right. I think I need to refill my drink. You do. Cause you're, you're, you're mumbling. <laughs> Go get a drink. I'm going to eat the rest of my taco. Brisket, bitch. Mm. Brisket. That's All right. So where are we going? What's uh? Okay. What's the okay. next topic? So I think I mean I was going to leave this as the last topic, but it, we we, we kind of got into it, and it's another sort of national security thing, and something that again, it's something that I I I thought should be much bigger news, and it's just not. Um, but then again, there's all this other political news going on, so I get it. Uh, and this was the Obama administration's director of national intelligence's drone report. Um, this was something that the Obama administration, you know, they worked like, I think like 10 months on it. And, you know, they said it was, you know, in an effort to be as transparent as possible, yep. you know, they're going to do a thorough uh, review and put out this report. And I was planning, I, I literally said, I was like, okay, I got to read that drone report this summer. It's going to be like, you know, like, 800 pages long or something like that. Did you see it? No. It's two and a third pages. It's literally two and a third pages. Um, it's outrageous what's sort of in it. Basically, what what they say is that, yes, we have this drone program, and we're very meticulous about how, who we decide to kill, um, and our Justice Department has told us what we're doing is legal, so we're going to keep on doing it. Um, and then they give this listing of deaths, um, and according to their estimates, and, and which tells you something that they don't even really precisely know how many people they're killing. Um, but combatant deaths, which means I guess legitimate deaths in their view, is two thousand three hundred and seventy-two um, up to twenty-five hundred and eighty-one. All right, so that's for the Obama administration, and there's a drone strike about once every four to six days. Um, Non-combatant deaths, 64 to 116. What do you wow. make of those numbers? Uh, they're pretty bad, dude. <laughs> right? I mean, what do you want me to, I mean, is there another side to that? Is I mean, really for, terrible? The, the non-combatant deaths is ridiculously low. What they're saying that they've killed as low as 64 people in drone strikes over nine years that were civilians um, is basically just an outrageous statement. It's outrageous. Um, it's, and, and so they, they, they put that report out about, I think like a week and a half ago or so. Um, and just earlier last week, we learned I of saw it. a I drone saw... strike in a small town small village, really, uh, in Syria, where, and the legitimate numbers here, you know, the sort of credible numbers are at least 56, 
and up to 112 civilians, including dozens of children, were killed in one drone strike. So how many how many, how many they're, bad they're guys? Saying, oh, they're saying over eight years they've only killed about sixty-four people. Yeah, they're lying. Come on, we right? know they're I mean, lying. And this is this is this is the big um, sort of transparent report that's supposed to basically assuage the, you know people's feelings that first of all the Obama administration for the first five years denied there was even a drone program, and then now they're saying okay we're going to be transparent about it. They release this two and a half page report, and then they lie on the numbers. Um, I don't know. This is our leadership. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm just kind of. Uh, you just needed a hug or some it. shit. <laughs> I wish you like, were here. I can't, I can't even believe it. If you were here, I would hold yeah. you. Yeah. Right. Just like pet your head and tell you it was going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ahmed, you so, got to lie to yourself. If you, when you're when you're dropping missiles out of the sky on hypothetical targets. The only way to like live with yourself and, and continue this is to lie and is to lie to yourself. And I, I bet you that Obama probably believes these numbers or at least believes some of these numbers. I don't think he's sitting there going through each civilian that's been killed and is, and is continuing with this. I think it's just all part of the don't it's all it's like a don't ask, don't tell drone policy. There's no way you could know the real number of civilians you're killing, including children and continue this uh, type of combat. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, this is the thing, is that this is what makes the combat, the type of combat we're doing possible, because it doesn't put, I mean, there's overwhelming American public support for this. You don't put any of your own soldiers in harm's way. None of us die, Robot, of course. Sounds robots great. are doing the job. Sounds good. And it, feel, it feels like we're doing something, right? Yeah. So, so that, you know, you were talking about, you know, weakness and sort of, you know, American leadership and stuff like that, that usually translates into how are we going to use military power, right? It, it, it often doesn't mean anything besides that. People say, oh, it's weakness if we don't use military power, and if you use military power, then you are acting, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, in this case, you know, it's politically gold, right, that both sides are like, yes, we should use it. Um, and in terms of sort of strategy in the end, it's basically, yes, we'll have basically low-grade violence forever. Um, but not many American soldiers will die. Right. Um, and yes, some um, kids will have to be blown up every day for every few days. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it's the price we have to pay. Here's, I want to just give a statement that was given after the, so the special presidential envoy, um, this guy, Brett McGurk, um, said that, quote, this has been the most precise air campaign in history, and we're going to make sure it stays that way. I don't have any further information on this. And then he went on to say later on that they're going to launch an investigation. The average time for CENTCOM to do an investigative report, and if they even decide to make it public, is seven months. Right. Um, so something like this, some small town, or basically really poor people in you know the, the backwoods of the world, um, are going to be completely forgotten about, you know? And so you can just sort of keep on, it's sort of self-fulfilling that you can do this, you can quote-unquote make mistakes, and then people forget about the mistakes by the time you've made your next mistake. Right. So, I mean, not only are there, you know, very important, powerful forces in government and the military that are promoting this, 
You also have war industries, not just in this country, but around the world that are you know, making tons of money. You know, so there's a whole sort of, it's incentivized on many levels. Yep. So, and, and, and basically what you're getting are, you know, really, you know, poor villagers getting blown away. Right. So they don't have any sort of political influence. Right. So, um, it sort of, dep- it actually really just depends on conscience, right? It yeah. literally depends on moral conscience. Um, because it's not going to stop based on power per se. Right. Uh, it sort of depends on, our leaders sort of maybe realizing at some point since we started the war on terror, the estimate is 1.3 million people have been killed. Um, and not all at the hands of the U S but certainly, um, indirectly through the actions of uses of U S power. Mm-hmm. Um, so when does that end? Right. Does, does it never end? I've been, to, I've been, I've been to a couple conferences of military people, and they say, and they're very fine with it. They're saying we are going to be at war forever. Yeah, it makes sense because no, you're those little right, villages. You're the little villages you're you're claiming don't change policy. You're right, but they create terrorists, and you can't you can't attack terrorists. You know they're all over the place, and that's why I probably they're probably right. We'll probably be battling this war on terror forever. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, I'm getting another fucking drink. <laughs> Absolutely. Jesus Christ. I'm going to go <laughs> have a quick cry and get a whiskey. <laughs> Last thing I want to talk about. Because, you know, I, I said this last time, I'm voting for Hillary Clinton. Um, Don't sound so enthusiastic, that, bitch. I, I Absolutely not. I'm not enthusiastic at all. I'm actually really sad about it, but I'm still going to do it. If you come um, back to New York and you have a I'm with her lower back tattoo, I'll fucking punch you in your face. <laughs> I would deserve a punch in the face for that. All right. uh, no. So, listen, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not with her, but I'm kind of with her because I have to be with her, and I'm going with her. I'm not with um, her, but I'm voting for her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then I'm gonna uh, and I'm gonna sort of watch her hawkishly and try to elect <laughs> people that want to counter everything she wants to do. Absolutely. Um, that's that's what I would do. But since I'm voting for her, I was I started looking into okay, um, and I've seen this before. I've been to her website and all that. And last time around, I went to her website when she was going against Obama. Um, about her achievements, right? That so we've talked a lot about the fact that she's um, she's part of the war machine, right? Certainly, um, and yep. even even top military brass say they are the most comfortable out of most of the politicians they've ever met with Hillary Clinton, um, <laughs> uh, because precisely because she's and she's she's like really good friends with this guy General Jack Keane, who's like literally never seen a war, never seen a country that couldn't be solved with an American base or bombing, um, and that's her bud. Um, but so we know that, right? So we know that she's she's hawk, she's hawkish, and she's a Kissingerite, and so on. But I was wondering, do you know what? about her achievements, some of the sort of good things that she's done um, that you can sort of credit her with. And, and, and basically, I'm trying to make you think of ways to sort of soften the blow to the fact that I have to vote for her. Yeah, I mean, I remember back when she was a senator, she was, she was kind of really progressive on the uh, um, health care 
platform. I mean, I remember she was like the first person that made it so that like, you know, they they pushed to move the age you were covered by your parents and that poor families in New York State were covered. So I know like in terms of healthcare, she's always been pretty progressive on that. So one thing that I think is actually pretty uh, great achievement um, was actually what Bill Clinton mentioned, um, which I'd known about but kind of forgotten about, which is when you remember when she was first lady and she basically tried to get universal health care. I know. Right. She had she had that health care task force and basically, you know. Congress completely stonewalled her. Um, and so it didn't, you know, it didn't, didn't, you know, once again, the Republicans, right? Um, but, and this is, I think it's important. She basically said, okay, well, since I can't get that, I'm at least going to try to uh, ensure poor children. And she created uh, the Children's Health Insurance Program, which is now in basically every state. Yeah. That, that, cut the uninsured rate of American children by half, right? Um, that's pretty huge. It's huge. I think that's, like, that's... that's, that's she gets that. You know, like, you know, I mean, like, if you do something and it has an effect on 8 million children... She gets that. Um, no doubt. That is, you know, I think that, that's pretty extraordinary, actually. She was way... Um, she was one of the first people to... Maybe the first person to do it. I'm, I'm, she gets that. Yeah, right. Um, so... That's one thing that I think is actually hopeful. I'm a, sort of even even though the DNC platform hasn't come out, like we're gonna. They said we're gonna make an effort towards universal health care, leaving it very ambiguous about what exactly they're gonna do. Um, the fact that the Democratic candidate has that kind of feather in her cap, um, I think maybe bodes well. Yeah, you know. Right? I believe them on that. I believe them on that. I mean, I think she, if anything, she's probably pissed Obama got to do it. I, I believe her with that. That's not one of the things I think she's full of shit with. I think she'll push health care further. On the other hand, that was 25 years ago, and I don't know. I think And she's she, gone cold. She's grown cold, damn it. Yeah, I think it's maybe just she's jaded, right? Is that She's been through so much that, um, and, you know, Let's, let's not pretend Republicans are atrocious and always have been pretty much. And Listen, uh, Hillary Clinton, so, for what we don't like about her, she's still a fucking woman who's been in the fucking po- in politics for 30 plus years and successfully. Like, for her to maybe grow cold, that's not that unreasonable. I mean, she's in a male domin- white male-dominated club and she's kind of kicked some ass. And that's probably the thing I admire most about her is that, like, holy fuck, like, you're probably going to make history here. And you've been at this shit for 30 years fighting for it, probably with your eye right. on the goal for a long time. And you got to right. admire that. I just wish that she had better policy. But that's, it's the right. one thing about her that I'm like, damn, dude. Like, Right, right. Yeah, how about that speech by Bill, right? That that sort of humanizing speech, that sort of, you know, blow by blow from... Yeah, uh, I didn't buy any of that Chelsea shit. That. Only well, thing I liked about it was that, like, wow, for the first time in a couple years, it was like, oh, there's kind of Bill Clinton? Because normally when he speaks, you're like, dude, stop talking. Like, you lost it. What you used to have, which is like you open your mouth and we all just stared starry-eyed, like, he's old, right. he's a vegan, he's, you know, had... Five heart attacks. He can't even, you know, it's like, I wonder if right before that, honestly, what I was thinking is, I wonder if he, if he slammed a Shake Shack burger right before that to get pumped. 
<laughs> it was like, I'm doing it one time, Hillary. Like, I'm risking another heart right. attack to get some energy. Because it was like, Feeling whoa. Feeling anemic. There's a little bill right there. Think about it. Every other first lady speech is always like, you know, the sort of little personal details and that sort of thing. And why I love this man and so on. So he was kind of doing that, right? He was doing that because he's going to be the first husband or whatever, right? But everybody knows their business. That's the problem. They haven't seen each other naked since Chelsea was conceived. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not, that was all bullshit. I would have liked it better if he would have come out and gave a big speech about how her, about her loyalty, like, and, and without saying what we already know is that like, she's stuck by me through thick and very fucking thin. And that's more than most people would do. And I would have gone, that's kind of true. Even though yeah. maybe it's for political reasons, but you know, like that's the Bill Clinton speech did nothing for me, uh, other than be like he gave a pretty good speech that some people might yeah. buy. But I, I wasn't like yeah. buying any of it. Come on. So All we right. got one more night. Obama tonight, baby. Obama, he can give a good speech. Oh, that guy. Yeah. He's gonna come out tonight. I that, wait, I just gotta say one thing though. Bill Clinton did win the election for Obama. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, but, that speech he gave, he, he just clinched it. Yeah, but that since that speech, he's kind of been really hard to listen to. Yeah, like he, he got, declined a little bit. And he's old, right? What is he, 75 years yeah, old? Like, yeah. he's old. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's an older man. Yeah, but absolutely. yes, I mean, he crushed the game in, 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 in that DNC. So, and he did a really good job. Like, he did a great job. But, you know, Michelle Obama, Elizabeth Warren's speech was pretty good. Bernie. And right. now you've got... Obama coming out, Joe Biden. Like yeah. Biden gives a good speech, dude. Like he does. He the does. DNC has been amazing. I mean, you watch it and you're like, this is a well produced piece of art in comparison to the fucking <laughs> clown show of a week ago. And it's just like, I'm really curious to see if if there's a big bump in Hillary after this convention because I, I can tell you firsthand that just talking to people that were kind of Bernie or kind of bust people. Uh, yeah. already and we're not even at obama speaking there are people who are like okay i'm on board including myself yeah. and on that note you better be here next week because boy we I'm, got a special I'm guest we have an army a former army ranger calling in to talk about this war on terror and then whatever topics you decide to throw at him that you guys can like you know gang up on me but i'm very excited uh, for uh, next week so for next week obviously next week i'm very much looking forward to our guest um, and, you know, talking to somebody who's been, who's fought the war on terror, right? Fought, um, son. And, and the other thing that I'm looking forward to is how this story um, with Donald Trump is going to play out next week. And I just want to play you just one minute of audio and leave it at that. So hold on a second. I have a real problem when Hillary Clinton, who gives open access to a phony server is allowed to get these briefings. How does Hillary Clinton get a national security briefing when she's been probably hacked, when so much of her information, the director of the FBI, said it was essentially negligent? But it would be interesting to see. I I will tell you this. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. I have nothing to do with Russia. 
I said that I said that Putin has much better leadership qualities than Obama, but who doesn't know that? Because it's under audit. I'll release them when the audit's completed. Nobody would release when it's under audit. I've had audits for 15 or 16 years. Every year I have a routine audit. Under audit, when the audit's complete, I'll release them. But zero. I mean, I will tell you right now, zero. I have nothing to do with Russia. Yeah. He sounds like this guy that used, he sounds like this guy that used to cut my hair when I was a kid. He would just scream shit. <laughs> So I'm excited to uh, hear uh, to see how that uh, plays out next week. I'm excited too. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table, produced by G. Beta Roy. Uh, we will see. Uh, don't miss next week. Next week's going to be hot. We're coming in with a real warrior for freedom, son. Um, we'll see you guys next week. All right. See you next week. Later, buddy.